the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up next on Way of Grace with Jessica Stan. The reason why God would exalt or promote or reward you and I is because either intentionally or inadvertently, you feel within the framework of the soul reap principle of God's goodness in your life. In other words, you did some things that corresponded with why God would bless. Hi there, and welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We're continuing our journey through Esther. Currently, we're in chapter 2, looking at verses 12 through 18 today. Message called in honor of the crown. Esther appointed by God for God. The prayerful submission of a father will be the focus as we get started today. As we take a look at the humility of a slave girl and the sovereign counsel of God to place her in the head. With more, here's Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church in Hayward with today's edition of Way of Grace. Today our thoughts will be on honoring the crown. That's the title of our message, In Honor of the Crown. Now, when we say that, we are really repeating the same thing twice. It could be stated, in honor of the honor, in honor of the honor. One of the things I asked my men in our Saturday men's meeting a couple of weeks ago is to start working towards developing synonyms for the term honor. The reason why you often want to do that is to build not only a vocabulary that gives you a different way of saying the same thing, but to expand your understanding of the nuance of the term. Often in religion, what we do is learn how to quote verses and make statements, but we really don't penetrate into the meaning of those terms. So I asked, what are some alternatives to the word honor? I'll give you two or three, and then I'll continue to develop my point. The word honor can also be translated promotion. Promotion. The word honor can also be translated award or reward. So the idea of honor is to bestow upon someone the value and worth of their person or their deed, right? So honor can be understood in many different ways, many, many different ways. And so when we talk about honoring the crown, we are talking about honoring the symbol that is used to honor somebody else. When we say we honor the crown, we are honoring what the crown signifies, what it represents, because certainly a crown is a symbol of honor, is it not? We've talked about this before in the Olympic Games. When you run the race and you finish in first place or second place or third place, they put you on a pedestal, first or second or third, and then they crown you with a wreath. It is a symbol of what? Honor. 
And so as we talk about the crown, I do want you to understand its relevance to you and me, but certainly we want to press into its extreme importance in our text because we are Bible-believing people. We love the Word of God. We believe it is God-breathed, and its message is about God's Son, Jesus Christ, and its application to our life. So I want to know exactly how Christ is glorified in the text, but also its application to me. God, how does Esther's life apply to me? And that's what every believer should want. And so as we contemplate the crown, in honor of the crown, I want to call your attention to the book of Revelation. And I will ask this question. Do you know the three articles for which every believer in the book of Revelation possesses? There are three constant articles, possessions, that identify the believer in the book of Revelation. The first is they all wear white robes. They all wear white robes. No believer in the book of Revelation is without the white robe. The white robe represents righteousness. It also represents triumph and victory. It is the symbol that the war is over. Those wearing the white robe are those who are called victors in Christ. It's the Greek term nikios from which we get the term to triumph or to victor. And what is it that overcomes this world? Is it not even this, even our what? Our faith. So it's the faith that the believer has as he walks through this world that rewards him with the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed and imparted so that in glory you are walking around in the robe of triumph, the robe of victory, the robe of, listen now, Christ's own glory. But there are two other articles that you see believers possess in the book of Revelation as well. The second, I'll call your attention to it, and then move finally to my third point, which is relative to where we are today. Every believer in the book of Revelation possesses a golden harp. A golden harp. And reason why they possess a golden harp is because they are worshipers of God. No believer in Christ is not a worshiper of God. No believer in Christ minimizes the whole concept of worship. In fact, he made us to worship him. Heaven is about a people who worship God for all God is and all God has done for them, and they worship God in the perfections of Christ's righteousness that was given to them. There's another article that you will find with every believer in the book of Revelation, not only the white robe, which constitutes Christ's righteousness, imputed and imparted, not only the golden uh, uh, um, harps that represents the, the soul of the believer in perfect communion with God as the priest were to lead in worship. Remember that? They were the ones who bore the instruments that David made in order that God might be praised properly by his people. You may not know how to play an instrument now, but when you get to glory, you're going to be able to get down. It's going to be automatic. It's going to be intrinsic to your nature. You may not know two twos and two fours and six eights now, but in glory, you're going to be hitting it without, a, without missing a beat. The other very important thing you must know is that every believer in glory possesses a crown. A crown. No believer in glory occupies heaven or the presence of God without a crown. 
He's in white. He has a golden harp and he wears a golden crown. Now the crown represents the reign of God in Christ given to the believer. So the believer not only possesses the righteousness of of Christ, he also possesses the reigning authority of Christ. For the Bible tells us if we suffer with him, we shall also what? Reign with him. And this is where we honor the crown because the crown signifies to us the eschaton, the final state of every believer is reigning with Christ. Is that so? Ah, then let's begin to move into the practical components of it now so that we can hurry up and join and identify with where Esther is at our present time. You and I do believe Proverbs 15.33, before honor, there is what? Humility. Humility. Now, what's taking place through the whole of Scripture narrative is that, that, that tension between humility and honor. Humility and honor. There is on the part of the people of God, by necessity of God's own decree, that we walk in humility before we experience honor. Is that true? Now, what is humility? In our context, humility is really the struggle, the challenges of life, the pains and problems of life that frequently set us back. Humility is being in a place where we are in need Really, in a more theological way, humility is where God puts us to train us, to instruct us, to educate us. Humility is where you and I are catechized. It's where God deals with us in terms of shaping and molding and instructing and guiding. And this is why the Bible says, all whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, he corrects, he rebukes, he instructs, and he guides. And this is why we have been so jazzed about Mordecai, the stepfather of Esther. Because his role is in that process of humility that Esther went through, by which Esther was trained and thus qualified for the position she's in. And we see Mordecai then as a great type of God the Father, is he not? For all of us who are children of God are under the humility process of correction and discipline and training so that we might do what we We asked for last year in our New Year's theme to mature and to grow and to be productive. As Hebrews chapter 13 says, 12, but afterwards it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who are exercised thereby. In other words, we don't like it now, but it bears fruit, doesn't it? Right, and mature people know that. Now, I lay this down in order for you to move closer to, draw near to Esther right now. Draw near. Don't, don't stand back as if you and her don't have a lot in common. You really do. You really do. And especially if you're a child of God, you have a lot in common with her because where Esther is presently, not so much in verse 20 of chapter 2, but in the process of getting there, she's in a state of humility. And I want you to know that humility for the believer is also an aspect of honor from God. I want you to know this, that humility for the believer is never humiliation. It's never shame. Those are not synonymous terms. There's a big difference when you put that letter A in there. In the world, you may be humiliated for a lot of reasons and brought to shame. But God never shames his people. 
He never puts them to shame because their shame was dealt with by Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. He despised it and put it away by his death on the cross. So no believer ever finds themselves ashamed before God. Whosoever puts his trust in the Lord shall not be what? Ashamed. But now humility is designed for you and I to understand something of the sufferings of Christ. For when Christ assumed a human nature, he took on humility. The moment he assumed the whole process of incarnation, he humbled himself and he brought you and I into that humility process as well. This is where we are with Sister Esther. Sister Esther has gone through a process of humility that I want you to appreciate. I want you to appreciate when God brings you to a place, as he did Christ and as he did others, where you are honored that the process by which you got there must never, ever be forgotten. So let me call your attention to the first point as we deal with point number one in our outline. There are three points that we want to deal with. The prayerful submission of a what? The second point that we want to deal with is a pattern and legacy of the Persian rulers. And finally, the promotion of Esther in God's plan, the prayerful submission of a father. We find then in, under that point three things that I want to call your attention to. A one-year stay in the harem of the king. You guys got that under point one? A one-year stay in the harem of the king. Secondly, the humility of a what? A slave girl. And finally, the sovereign counsel of God to place her in the head. Now, all three of these is in her state of humility. Let me call your attention to something briefly as we work through this. At our present time, we're dealing with attention. You know what that is? Mordecai, the one who loves her, almost as much as God loves her, is pacing the floor, is he not? He's walking through it and about the kingdom because he's worried about his baby. Do you know why he's worried? Because the season in their relationship has just changed. He had her all his life. He had her near him. He was able to nurse her and take care of her and care for her. But the season changed. And that's what happens in our life as well. You parents know how difficult it is sometime to let him go. Right? Sometime to let him go. And, and, and often we can get in trouble when we fail to see the season. I say this in counsel frequently. You cannot deal with your kids at 12 the way you dealt with them at 4. And you cannot deal with your kids at 18 the way you dealt with them at 12. Seasons come and seasons go. And unless you move with the seasons, you're going to find yourself in the struggle, proverbial struggle of what we talked about on Friday, when future meets the past. How many of you guys remember that? When future meets the past. And that's when a person is going in another direction than you are. Parents, don't live in the past. Don't get trapped by how good it used to be. Oh, I wish you were a little baby all over again. When you are a true believer, we're all headed in one direction, and that's forward. We're heading forward. We are pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that forward progression is an upward progression. It's not backwards. It's not downwards. It's forward and upward. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So don't talk to your kids like it was better yesterday. When you do that, you are demonstrating unbelief. You are not honoring God, nor are you honoring them. Help them press forward in their life. That's the reason why God allowed you to have them, that they might grow up. Grow, 
and go. <laughs> Grow and go. You don't want your baby staying babies all their life. Grow and go. And then have little ones and bring them over so we can love on them and then tell them to go with you. <laughs> right? And they can come back next week. Right. You have to understand how to proceed in life in terms of seasons. I've said this before and you need to get this as well as we develop this. There is an expiration date on all relationships. Some of y'all write that down because you're going to get in trouble if you fail to understand this. There's an expiration date on all kinds of relationships and you've got to be sensitive enough to know when that date is up. Because there are times when God is moving you away from a place, a sphere, a rim, into another place, sphere, and rim. And those people that were with you at that previous time, they're not going your way. You can't take them. That was the trouble Abraham got in with, 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 with Lot. The Lord had told him and his immediate family. He looks around, he's, he, it's sympathy caused him to bring Lot. A few years later, they argued and fighting. Do you know why? There was an expiration date on the relationship. Here we have that going on with, um, with Mordecai and Esther, and it's only in terms of Esther is about to be exalted. She's about to be promoted. She's about to be rewarded. And that reward, promotion, and exaltation is not disjointed or disconnected from Mordecai. And therefore, as we say by application, children, the Bible plainly says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God gives you. Hear me now. Don't ever assume that there's an exception to that rule. Don't ever assume it. I hear it in psychology. I hear it in Babel. Only honor them if they honor you. Show me in the Bible. Show me in the Bible. You will discover that if you buy those kind of caveats, you'd never do anything the Bible tells you. Because you have all kinds of people in your life that you have to honor, whether you want to honor them or not. And see, that's honorable thinking. Sometimes our parents act dishonorably, but they are in a position of honor. And they must be honored for the position. Sometimes you work for somebody that you don't like their ways, their values, their views, their attitude, their character, but you must still honor them as a child of the living God because you're honoring God when you honor the king and you honor all men. Am I making some sense? And one of the blessings that's about to come out of Sister Hadassah's life for us is how she learned from her father how to honor people. Because on her way up to the throne, she's honoring everyone in her life. Now, I just want you to grasp what happens when God is going to honor you. There's several things that you need to take into consideration. When God is going to honor someone, when he's going to promote you or move you to a place where you're prominent, more visible, more obvious, it's because several things have taken place requisite to that. You and I are never honored just kind of ad hoc. God doesn't just take you and then honor you if your life is raggedy. A pedestal it's always established on a foundation. It's never just in thin air. It's never hanging in void space. A pedestal always has a foundation under it. Are you hearing me? Here's the point. The reason why God would exalt or promote or reward you and I is because either intentionally or inadvertently, you feel within the framework of the soul reap principle of God's goodness in your life. 
In other words, you did some things that corresponded with why God would bless. And I'm going to show you that here in the Word of God in a moment. Whatsoever men souls, that shall he also what? God will always reward the diligent person. And this is why all through the Bible he calls us to honor. Because God is ready to reward, is he not? He's ready to bless. He's ready to bestow upon people. Here, Hadassah is a type of national Israel. In the same way that national Israel was adopted by God as a child, didn't we learn that last week in Ezekiel 16? Abandoned in the fields. So Israel was trapped by Egyptian authority and power. And remember, Pharaoh wanted to kill all the firstborn, wipe Israel out, and God swooped them up through Moses and Aaron and by an outstretched hand and a mighty arm and brought them to himself. Did he not? And raised up that child to be a beautiful woman, didn't he? Well, this is what we call the immediate proximity of God's prerequisite blessings. Before he exalts Israel, as Ezekiel 16 says, God called Israel. God brought Israel to himself. God adopted Israel. God trained Israel. God taught Israel how to behave as a noble woman, didn't he? Everything that I just stated is absolutely the same for Hadassah. Remember, Hadassah was adopted. Her father is Mordecai. What does Mordecai do? Mordecai trains her. He educates her. He teaches her. He teaches her discipline. He teaches her theology. Her theology is right, is it not? Her name is Esther. It's not Hadassah. Hadassah is her street name, like we all have a few. Not most of y'all, but some of us, we got street names. I told you, you wouldn't know my, I'm not letting you know my street name for nothing. That's way back in the day. But every now and then a brother runs up on me with my street name and I look at him, who are you? Right? So Hadassah's street name is Hadassah. Her true identity is rooted in her ethnicity as a Jew. So it is with all true believers. Our true identity is in Christ. And you've got to know your identity because you're really only going to behave, you're only going to behave according to your identity. Not that external name, your real identity. So uh, Hadassah knew who she was. She knew that she was adopted. She knew that she had proper theology or what we call sound doctrine. Here's something else that we know about Hadassah. God graced her to remain a virgin. We talked about that at length last week. That means that dad's instruction to her was effective because she honored her father. She didn't have a mother. She only had a father. And her father taught her what she would be if she walked as a, a noble woman. And we saw in the Proverbs, a gracious woman retains her what? Honor. We saw in the proverb that a gracious woman retains her honor. She's going to keep her honor. She's not going to give her honor away. She's not going to sell her honor. She's not going to use her honor to manipulate a brother. And if she can, that brother's not worth keeping. And if you get a brother that wants to take your honor, he doesn't honor you, nor honors God. Can I teach a little bit today on that? Listen, when you and I want to be able to experience the promises of God, which says this, he that honoreth me, I will also honor him. That means it's an axiomatic principle. That means I want to walk with God so that if God wants to, he can bless me with exaltation or promotion or honor. That's not the end game for me. I'm happy walking with God. I can tell you now, Hadassah didn't wake up one day saying, I want to be the queen of Persia. 
But see, just like Hadassah, you and I are called to purpose. And sometimes purpose is what we call uh, counterintuitive, right? In other words, God will give you an assignment and you go, I didn't ask for that. But as we heard in Sunday school, God is God. And he's just going to give you an assignment. He has given Esther an assignment, but he has pre-qualified her in that assignment by basic rules that came to her through her father. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was an impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com. Rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again, For directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.